0: Came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? Last week we talked to you uh, from John chapter seventeen, the the high priestly prayer of Jesus. It's not recorded here in John, so we had to go to Matthew twenty-six to get that. Now we're back uh, to the second part of what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. The first part we talked about last week. Second part today. They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. This is incredible. No matter, no matter how many times you read this passage, I think probably... Most of us, and I'm going to include myself in this, have missed that point altogether. It's like, you know, you read it and it's just so short, you just, you read over it. But there's a lot there, and we'll talk about that. Then he asked them again, whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, he said, I've told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. For those of you who like to underline things in your Bible, that's the thing to underline. Uh, Jesus was shielding at this his disciples, protecting them. That's his business. That's what he does. Uh, That the saying might be fulfilled, which he spoke, of those whom you gave me, I have lost nothing. There is this verse of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It goes like this. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able but will with the temptation also provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear it." Evidently his disciples as you and me, as we, we have a threshold of temptation and the Lord knows where the breaking off point is and he won't allow you to be tempted above that point. So evidently at this particular time in the Garden of Gethsemane the Lord is shielding his disciples because their temptation point was maxed out and so jesus stepped forward and said listen you're looking for me let these people go Uh, they're not ready for something this heavy right now that the saying might be fulfilled but you spoke of those whom you gave me i have lost none And Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Peter, who could not pray for one hour, was ready to take on all of these people with one sword. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Here we have in this whole story divine determination and human wickedness colliding in this Christ event you know if you were to ask the average person on the street what happened at Easter I'm sure they would say to you well the world killed Christ there's no doubt in my mind that's what they'd say but look what Jesus said the cup which my father has given me divine determination Then the detachment of troops and the captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. And they led him away to Annas. Annas was a high priest emeritus. He was retired, but still very powerful, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the current high priest, whose high priest, he was the actual high priest that year. Now it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. This was in the back of their mind. Jesus has created such a furor in our country that Rome is going to start throwing us all in jail. We've got to stop this momentum that Jesus is building of revolution because they're saying that he's the king And so this has been in the back of their mind for some time. And when Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple, now that the disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, and Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. We're in now the last day of, of the Lord's life on earth. Uh, This one who was from everlasting to everlasting now is in the last day of his flesh. Uh, He was found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, even to death. And in this last day, for those who count prophecies, uh, I was just reading the other day that some people believe there are actually 33 prophecies fulfilled in this 24-hour period um, from the Old Testament. Just like this. And so uh, it's, it's very exciting. Uh, Judas uh, brought his detachment of people to arrest Jesus. And I guess that, as I mentioned a minute ago, that uh, the people of the world think Jesus was arrested, but Jesus was indeed presenting himself. You know, there's this two parts of this whole thing. He comes over the brook Kidron, uh, when Jesus went into the city of Jerusalem, he crossed this brook, Kidron. It was like this deep valley between between Jerusalem and, uh, and uh, the hillside there, the Garden of Gethsemane. And one commentator that I was reading about said that at this particular time of the year, it was Passover. Passover. Boy, we don't want to miss that. Uh, that the brook Kidron ran red with the blood of the sacrificial lambs coming down from the temple. Now if indeed that, that is true, that is really quite amazing. So here's Jesus and his disciples and they're crossing over the Brook Kidron and if indeed the, the blood was running in the Brook Kidron, uh, Jesus no, no doubt was thinking that uh, that blood would dry up pretty soon, it would trickle away. Because the temple would be torn down, the sacrifices would cease. And uh, there would be no longer a need for temporary sacrifices anymore. And in Jesus' mind and in our scriptures, we have this powerful verse, Hebrews 10.4. It says this, It is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. It is not possible for the blood trickling through the valley of Kidron, the Kidron Valley, to take away sin. It was only a covering. It was only temporary. And so here we find in this last day, the Lamb of God, the sinless Lamb of God, presenting himself as the perfect Passover Lamb who would shed his blood uh, for all forever, one sacrifice forever. There was this garden he entered into. You know, the last time there was a battle like this in a garden, it was the Garden of Eden. Jesus enters this garden, now is what the Bible calls the second Adam. This God-man would rescue the fallen race. He was ready to do battle with the devil, and we saw that last week. He was ready to do battle with the devil. The first Adam waited for Satan to come to him, but this Adam takes the initiative, goes to the Garden of Eden, confronts the devil, Uh, wins the battle, and is now strengthened for the last leg of the journey, which is the cross. Jesus was energized with his fellowship with God the Father. Now, I cannot say this to you enough, that the only way that you and I can ever be energized is to be found in the presence of the Lord. That's the only way. Now, I know the church is good for all of us because when you come here, it's almost like God says, okay, now let's get back on the right track again. But there's something even better than that. And that's you and your personal, quiet, devotional time with the Lord uh, staying on track all week long before before you arrive back here on Sunday. And so Jesus was energized with his fellowship from the Father and he now presents himself. Remember Matthew 26, 46, says, "'Rise, let us be going, see my betrayer is at hand.'" Jesus was not running away from the cross. He was running to the cross. He was running to it. Jesus went forward, verse number 4. And then he said, "'I am.'" Now that's interesting because those of you who have been reading the book of John, you find that repeatedly we have the "'I am' statements of John.'" I am the door, I am the good shepherd, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And now we have this, to me, it looks like the crowning I am right here. I am he. Because you remember in the Old Testament when Moses was commissioned by God to go down and talk to Pharaoh, he said, now listen, who should I say sent me? And God says, just tell him I am sent you. That's good enough. And so Jesus here is delineating and describing further what the real I am really is. And so he says, listen, I am he. And uh, this this is so cool. Look at verse number six. Now, when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. This is the thing I said that you probably miss, and I missed too. They fell to the ground. Here's all these people that have come to arrest him, and he steps forward and says, listen, I am he. And when he made that statement, they were somehow pushed back, and they somehow fell down on the ground. Just a little small glimpse of the great power of God. I'm sure that there were probably people finding... Uh, laying on the ground, saying, You know, we had better think this over. I don't know if this is the right thing to do right now. Can you imagine that power that, that they were just washed back by those words, I am he. Now, Jesus could have done anything he wanted there. He could have he could have said, Be gone and they would be gone. And, and he could have said, I could have called legions of angels, as he as he previously said, and uh, they would deliver me, but he just gives us a little glimpse there of the power of God. I believe that's a preview of things to come. Paul said in Philippians 2, 9, and 11, something really powerful that I, that I want to connect with this morning. Let's read this together. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow Of things in heaven on those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father every knee will bow of things in heaven and things on the earth and things in hell under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord now The confession of Jesus Christ as Lord reminds us to to consider the great significance of the word Lord. It's the Greek word kurios, especially as it relates to the early church. The early church, it has been proven, used a Bible called the Septuagint, LXX, Septuagint. And what it was is it was the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. Uh, the Lord put the Bible in the common tongue, the vernacular of the world, Greek. And uh, whenever they came to the word Yahweh, they translated it kurios. And so one of these days in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, everyone is going to fall down and confess that Jesus Christ is God, Yahweh. Uh, Now, these people fell down. They didn't make that confession at this particular time, but one day they will. Every single person one day will be brought under submission to God. Uh, It is so wonderful, the gospel of grace, because the gospel of grace says, listen, make the confession that Jesus Christ is Lord today and be saved, or make it sometime way out there in the future, and still be lost, even though you make it. You know, the confession that Jesus Christ is Lord today is the confession of salvation. But in that day, it will be the confession of resignation. It will be the confession of hopelessness. I was wrong. Jesus Christ indeed is God. Well, you know, there are many people that would like to make Jesus and and just another prophet like uh, Elijah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel. But you know, when Jesus walked across the pages of history, he said this, I and my Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father also. And, uh, And so people said, listen, we don't believe that. In fact, they charged him with the statement of blasphemy. Well, um, one of these days, and this is the message of the church. The message of the church is, hey, listen, one day you're going to bow down. One day you're going to confess. If you're heaven, in heaven or if you're on earth or if you're under the earth, wherever you are, God will find you. He knows where you're at. And you're going to fest, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, so let's do it right now. Let's do it now. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says, Now is the accepted time. Well, he asked, in verse number 8, he asked that the others would be let go. This is his role as a substitute. Uh, When the Father's justice loomed over him, he said the same thing. Take me and let the others go. And so Jesus here is shielding his disciples. He's taking the hit. And so this first point, let's summarize it. What does it mean? It means the initiative of Jesus. Jesus uh, stepped out um, and he made this initiative back in that day. He said, listen, it's time for us to be going. It's time for me to go to the cross. I've won the victory. The Lord is given, God the Father has given me strength for the last leg of the journey. Uh, let's go do it. Uh, and so he takes this initiative. They don't have to drag him to the cross. He's going in the direction of the cross. And, and so... Uh, I like Luke 19:10. the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost uh, I believe that in every generation that's what the Son of Man wants to do through the church uh, Amber you mentioned when your people came from Word of Life they were excited about our church they said how do they get those people up there on that hill you can't even find that place uh, well it's because you're excited to bring the lost and you're excited to introduce people to Christ Uh, You're excited to go to your neighbor's house and say, listen, we have this program over the church for Easter. Would you come with me? Uh, Jesus in every generation is excited, and more than that, compelled to bring the lost to his side because the Bible does say he is not willing that any should perish, but that what? All should come to repentance. Uh, And so, uh, Jesus is on the hunt today for sinners, and he uses you and me, and that's an amazing thing, isn't it? How he can use us. Uh, Joanne and I went to the movies the other day to see John Carter. I don't like those movies, those science fiction movies. I just just don't like them, but that was fair. It wasn't filled with vulgarity. Uh, We recently walked out of two movies, I just want to tell you that. Uh, and we're not a big movie goer. we're just on a little binge right now that's all uh, we're, so don't, don't let me scare you <clears throat> I'm just making up for all those years I preached against movies that's all back in the good old days <laughs> days of legalism so anyway we're at the movies and and we're going out there at South Hills Village you know and, and I, 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 I carry tracks with me all the time I'm like a machine you know, if I, if I get out of the car and I don't have a tract, you know, gospel message, I, I got to go back to the car and get some. So I put two. That's not much faith to put a two in your pocket. You know. So we went into the, the movie place out there, in Southwest Village, and less what? There's two guys there doing the tickets and the popcorn. And I thought to myself, you know, am I going to do this? Am I going to do this? And I said... I'm going to do this. And so I pulled it out and I said, listen, guys, have you ever seen this this article? They said, no, we never saw that. I said, here, I distribute these. Enjoy it. They thanked me profusely for that. And they started reading it right then. You, You know, I just said that to say this, how God would use me or God would use you to introduce them to the Son of God is a miracle of grace, isn't it? It's a miracle of grace. But he chooses to do that. You know, if I were God, I wouldn't have that plan. I'd like to leave you guys all out in the cold. I'd just like do it all myself. I'd send an angel. I'd write it in the sky, but God uses you. God uses me. Never become discouraged to be used by God. Because there's always some guy out there, wherever you go, that's just waiting to find some little piece of material that will give him some hope for living. Can I have an amen? Hope for living. Well, uh, here we find the next point is the performance of Peter. Peter bolts into action in verse number 10. He couldn't stay awake for one hour, but he was gonna take on this whole group of people with one sword. Peter was a contradiction. Uh, But, you know, the interesting thing is the Bible does say in the book of Matthew that, that all the disciples fled from him. But I want you to notice this. Two of them came back, and here it is, verse 15. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That was John. He's always reluctant to put his name in here. He's so humble. If I was writing this, I'd put John H. Arnold. 3450 Fawn Valley Lane, Finleyville, Pennsylvania, 15332. Just so everybody knows, me and Peter were hanging out together. But John, he was a whole lot more humble than, than me, and you're sitting there saying, H, what does that mean? Horatio is a middle name, what is it? People were guessing it going out of church the first service. They, they came up with all kind of weird things. I'll just let you think about it. That should be the thought for the day, okay? Okay, uh, two, two disciples came back. We see the inconsistency of the disciples. Uh, Jesus is making the initiative. The disciples are inconsistent. That's us today, isn't it? Are we not inconsistent? One day we're up. It's like, yeah, 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 we can take on the world. The next day we say, oh, the world's crushed me. I'm so done dead. I don't care today. And then we get back up again, and then we go down again, and, and it was, we, we have to give Peter credit. His faith didn't fail. His courage failed. I think whenever Peter was going away with the disciples, they all fled. He was saying to himself, what am I doing this for? Where am I going? I told the Lord I would defend him. His faith was still strong in his heart, but his courage failed. And I think that's what happens to us a lot of times. Our faith is strong. Our faith is is in Christ, but we lack courage oftentimes right and we falter we 're inconsistent that 's the same in every generation and then there 's the prosecution of Jesus. they sent him to Annas, he was the high priest emeritus, and uh, there was something here, boy that my when you 're having fun time flies uh, when they when they took him before Annas, did you notice that that uh, Somebody there struck Jesus with the palm of his hand in verse number 22. Hit him just like that. Every time I come to that passage in the Bible, it kind of stops my heart. It's like, did that really happen? Well, then they took him before Caiaphas, and then he finally landed up before Pilate. And, you know, of all the biblical characters around this last day, I like Pilate better than all of them because he tried to work every angle to release Jesus. And he was good at working angles. Uh, He brought Jesus in. He interrogated him. First of all, he said, listen, why don't you guys take care of this in your law? Boy, I wish I had time to develop this. In your law, uh, he didn't want to have anything to do with it. He He knew that Jesus was a hot potato and he didn't want to touch. Now, the reason why they didn't want to deal with Jesus under their law is they wanted Roman law. First of all, the only people in town who could perform capital punishment were the Romans. Now, the Jews did break that, that law on, on occasion. They made an exception for Stephen. Remember, they stoned him. The Jewish me- method of, of, of capital punishment was stoning, but the Jews wanted Jesus on a tree, the cross. That's what they wanted because they wanted to pin on Jesus the indictment of Deuteronomy chapter 21. Because in that passage of scripture, uh, it talks about the person who is hung on a tree has become a curse. And so the Jews pushed for Roman capital punishment because they wanted to tag Jesus with the curse of God. So that when his disciples said, listen, he is the son of God, they're going to say, how could he be the son of God when he's cursed by God? He's hung on a tree. They wanted to pin that on Jesus. And they did. And I'm sure maybe if you were uh, to ask the people in Israel at this particular time, why don't you believe in Jesus as the son of God? They said, how could the son of God be cursed by God all at the same time? But Jesus wanted to die on the cross too, I think, because remember what he said? He said, If I am lifted up from the earth, I will what? He wanted to change the definition of the cross. He wanted to take this wicked, ugly, horrific, stupendous, evil event of the cross and turn it into something glorious. Something glorious a sign of victory and power. And Jesus did that when he died upon the cross. And any time you erect a cross and tell people the story of Jesus, it takes on a new meaning of the cross, not of, not of wickedness and hardness, but of victory and hope for the future. Jesus changed the definition of the cross. Well, Pilate uh, did everything he could uh, to get Jesus off the hook, but he finally gave in. And, in, and then at the end, he put that, that statement above the cross. Remember, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. And they he said, hey, listen, you made a mistake. He said, "Not, no, I haven't. Let it be. He is. I think Pilate was this close to believing in Jesus. In addition, he had his wife working on him, too. She said, I had a dream. You better leave this man alone. So he tried to work the angles, but they finally put enough pressure on him to release him. And, uh, and we'll never forget what he said. He said, I, I find no fault in him, verse 38. As far as I'm concerned, he's, he's innocent. Well, Jesus did it all for you and me so that whenever we come to him in prayer and when we go through our times of humiliation and rejection, you know, Jesus said, listen, I understand what you're going through. I was there. I did that all for you. He was our substitute. And and he's still doing the same thing. He's still shielding his disciples. You and I are standing behind Jesus, and Jesus took the hit for our sin upon the cross. Take me. Leave my disciples alone. That's why we love him. That's why we serve him. And that's why we share this message with other people, because Jesus has taken the hit for us, given us the free gift of eternal life, and uh, everybody who believes in him is on their way to heaven. That's our eternal home. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's just uh, think about what Jesus did for us on the cross today. Maybe you're here today, and maybe you've uh, maybe you've never come to Christ. Maybe you, you've heard the story time and time again, but you never knew it was really for you that he took those uh, hits, that he was beaten up and crowned with thorns and flogged with a whip and died on the cross. Maybe you never knew it was really just for you, too. Boy, what a revelation that is. Why don't you reach out to him today and... Embrace him as your Savior. Come to him in humility and repentance and faith and say, Lord, I want to be numbered among your followers. I want to serve you, the one who has a heavenly kingdom. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this time in the word. We pray that you'll take these parts and apply them to our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together as we sing our invitation song.